Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. Today we are going to be continuing our study on the breastplate of righteousness and I'm going to start with a review of our previous lessons. Amen? Okay, so we are still on the breastplate of righteousness and I am just so grateful and thankful because truly when we are learning what the Lord has to say, we are continuously learning. There is always something to learn, something else that we can implement and change in our own lives. And this is how it's going to be until we die, constantly seeking and getting to know Jesus and falling more and more in love with him. Amen. So yes, we're still on the breastplate of righteousness and this is a long study and it's a really important component of the full armor of God. Again, it's not something God gave us to wear when we were born. Again, it's something that must develop in us. It's something that we produce. It's our spiritual face that the enemy sees. Who was our enemy? Demons, of course. Satan, right? It's our spiritual face that the enemy sees. It's how we look, right? And it tells them, I can war with Madison. Madison is going to bring the war. Madison has authority in God, not herself. And that's just an example, okay? We need the full armor of God, especially the breastplate of righteousness in the war. And I want you to remember that there are two wars, and we're going to touch even more on this later on. But remember, there's two wars. First, we must be victorious in the first war, which is between soul and spirit, okay? And remember, we are a three-part being, soul, spirit, and body, So the first war is between spirit and soul. Then it's the external war, okay? And that's spiritual warfare, right? And what's that? That's us warring in the spirit against demons. We will have the breastplate in the spiritual war. We have to have it. We must have it to win. It's our war clothing that we make ourselves by the power of God within us. Each and every follower of Jesus has two wars to fight and an armor of God, including a breastplate of righteousness to produce. I think as humans, we always want to find the sure way that we can be successful. We can for sure win the second war if we are winning the first war, okay? In the first war, when we are born again, we war with our soul. We should receive the spirit with meekness, remember, so our souls can be saved. Remember, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of the word of God. Only you know personally if you're born again. I cannot tell you, but only you are going to be knowledgeable of the war inside of yourself. You must always be victorious. How do you be victorious? You lay sin aside. You don't give in to temptation. You live a righteous life. Okay, so it's constant ongoing. Let's set aside the external warfare, okay? The external spiritual warfare. I want to focus for a time on the internal 
war. I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 16 to 18. And it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, and that's a capital S, Holy Spirit, that's who we're talking about. We're talking about him, the Holy Spirit. You are not under the law. Amen. So by the strength of God through me, we're not making our own breastplate of righteousness. We cannot. It's God through me that helps us to produce that. So by the strength of God through me, this is how we're able to create the breastplate of righteousness. Without God's strength through me, we cannot create that to God's standard. Man can create their own armor, right? Their own version of righteousness. However, if it's not to the standard of God, it's not the one that leads us to victory in the second war. Okay, so it's God that helps us to produce that. He's not going to make it for us. It's up to us, but we cannot do this at all without God, I want to make that so abundantly clear. Apart from God, we will fail. It must be made by the Holy Spirit. So those people who want to change and they do it on their own, they fail. And they keep restarting every few years, every few months. Do you know someone like this? They go to church, then you don't see them, and then you see them again next year or two months from now right? A person can imagine themselves to be a different version of themselves, but because they are not doing things by the power of God, according to what he says, they fail and they fail every single time. These people keep having to come back and start over due to their man-made righteousness. We are to make the breastplate ourselves by the power of who? We just read it. The Holy Spirit. We cannot even take credit for the breastplate of righteousness once it's produced out of us, that we produce ourselves. We don't get the credit because it's not us. It's God through us, God in us. People today even know they're getting false teachings about the breastplate of righteousness or many false teachings about anything else, but they still keep getting it. Why? I have no idea. I have no idea, but if you are being fed a lie, you need to get out of that and you need to find the truth. You need to seek the truth. Do you remember when Adam and Eve fell into sin? They found themselves naked, so they hid from God. The righteousness of God fell off of them. So when Adam and Eve were created, they were clothed with God's righteousness, but then when they sinned, that righteousness of God was no more. It could not exist on them, through them. It was no more. It fell off. So Adam and Eve made their own version of righteousness. This is what I was saying earlier. They made their own version of righteousness, a man-made righteousness to be what they thought would make them a better person. How did they do this? They covered themselves with fig leaves. They produced that, but it was not to the standard of God. If we do not have the breastplate of righteousness, we are naked in the war. We will find ourselves naked. Okay, remember this. Remember this. You know, in Revelations chapter 3, verse 18, it says, I counsel you to buy from me, that's a capital M, to buy from me, from Jesus, gold refined in fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your what? 
nakedness, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Even Revelation 16 verse 15, behold, this is Jesus talking, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So the full armor of God is so important. If we do not have it, if we do not produce it ourselves by living a righteous life, according to the standard of God, by every word he says, they will see us naked and they will see our shame. Where in the Bible does it say that God gives you the garment? Because there's many today that they believe that they were handed this and they weren't. It's not in the Bible. And I challenge you to show me where it says that God gives this to you. It must be produced in us, okay? And that's not me saying that. That's the word of God. So the first war, when does it begin? It begins as soon as you are born again. We must be winning that war to win the second war, okay? Are we becoming experts? It's, it's a lot of repetitive on this podcast at times, but it is only to ensure that you remember. Remember the priests in Acts 19? We better all be experts in Acts chapter 19 at this point. They were Jewish priests. They believed that there was power in the name of Jesus. And the priests thought when they went to cast out the demons, right, to rebuke the demons, that when they say the name of Jesus, they thought the power would be released. But what was the problem? These Jews were not born again. The first war, as a reminder, it's ongoing. We must be constantly winning if we want to be victorious in the second war. The Jews did not yet begin the first war and they were engaging themselves in the second war. Okay, so even you could be losing your first war and you can engage yourselves in the second war, but it's going to be embarrassing. You know, these Jews, they were highly respected. They were, but they lost this battle. They were overcome, they were beat, and they fled naked. And you know what? Many knew. Many in Ephesus knew. The Jews and the Greeks in Ephesus, they heard about how these Jews were overcome. And many in Ephesus became afraid, right? Fearful. I'm not talking about the fear and trembling that we've studied once before. I'm talking afraid. Trembling in their boots, afraid of demons, they were afraid of the demons, not the authority of the Lord. But still, the Jews and the Greeks in Ephesus, they repented. And even more so, many who practiced magic, those sorcerers, even they repented. They burned all of their witchcraft books together because of what they encountered and saw. And the word of the Lord grew mightily. So even though the Jews failed, right, the Lord was victorious because many came to repentance. And I'm not saying go out and fail. So many come to repentance. I'm saying ensure that you have the breastplate of righteousness, that you are winning your first war, that you have made up your mind. Okay, so that you can stand with victory in the second war. Your breastplate of righteousness, it's not going to arrive to you from Amazon or UPS or FedEx or USPS. Anyone who tells you that is wrong. Anyone who tells you that you can buy it, that it was given to you, is wrong. You must make it. It's like knitting. It takes time and commitment and it grows and it grows until it can cover you entirely. You must always be watching 
So when we find ourselves challenged, we must realize it and proceed with the Lord, in the Lord, doing what he says. There are so many good people in this world who believe they're doing good things. We've talked about this. Many good people. The problem is, though they are good, according to this world, they are not born again and they will end up in hell. Okay. And again, that's not me. That's the word of God. Do not get mad at the one releasing the word. You need to take it up with Jesus. Okay. All of this is shared with the love of the Lord. It is a truth. This is the truth. And there is an urgency to save your soul. You know, in Matthew chapter seven, it says, many will say to me, so this is Jesus talking, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, not everyone is going to be saved. We cannot live how we want to live on this earth and expect to be saved. And you know what? There's good, nice people out there, but you know what they do? They build these communities of agreement around them and they build it all the way up like a dome so no correction can come to them but they're still good people but God's word is clear you can do many deeds for the Lord but the problem is if you are naked you are practicing lawlessness you cannot join Jesus in heaven this is why Jesus says away from me I never knew you many do not know this And many do know this and they choose not to follow. So again, by this point, we ought to be experts in this. There are two wars inside of us, spirit versus flesh. And I want to make something clear that may not have been clear in past episodes, but is definitely clear here. The first war is constant warring. Your first war doesn't end so you can enter the second war. You must be constantly winning your first war and simultaneously you will be engaged in the second war. The born again spirit versus the soul we were born with is the first war. All right. Because that soul and that body, they're tied together. But when our spirit is born again, so many things will be possible through the Lord. And I want you to remember in James 1, 21, as a reminder, we've referenced this already in several podcasts now, including earlier in this one. But remember, we must receive the word with meekness. Therefore, it says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So how do you save your soul? Through the word of God, the implanted word. We must lay our sin aside, receive it with meekness. What does that mean? Humble yourselves, gently accept it because we in the flesh need to change. We should allow it to transform us. Amen. Why receive the word? Because the word of God can save my soul and your soul. The soul is our way of thinking. The soul is our character. My soul is me. It's everything that makes me and your soul is you. So when we die, it's our spirit that lives on, not our soul. Many get this wrong. It's our spirit that lives on. So our spirit is either dead or born again. Okay, and that's your choice. And that's my choice. Our soul dies with our body. And if our spirit is born again, we go on to live with God forever. So when we die, the spirit is cloaked with a new incorruptible body. Okay, people going to heaven don't just get an incorruptible body that never dies or decays. People going to hell also get an incorruptible body. A new body will cloak your spirit. 
Okay, but if you're born again, you will live forever in heaven. If you're not born again, again, the spirit is still incorruptible, but you'll be living in hell. How long are you living in hell? Eternity. Can you imagine eternity? It's so much easier for people to imagine eternity in the presence of God. There's no more sickness. There's no more sadness or pain. Just eternal joy and paradise with him. Oh, I want that so badly. Hell is eternal torment. You cannot die even if you want to die. Imagine that. Getting to the point where you are ready to die. You want to die. It is so terrible. You want to die and you can't. Many do not believe this and will only believe how terrible hell is when they die and experience it. And remember the rich man in Lazarus. We've studied that on this podcast. The rich man wanted to go back to warn his family of hell because he went there, but he could not return. When you die, you cannot come back and warn anyone. There are no redos. It's done. So again, can you understand the urgency behind saving your soul? So the first war only begins when you're born again by water and spirit. What is water? The living water, the word of God. What is spirit? The Holy Spirit. You know, any spirit in any person, they can obey the law. Any spirit can read scripture. But the word can only be understood by the born-again spirit, the born-again Christian. Born-again Christians will act on what is learned. True followers of Jesus act. Religion is about following the law, and I hate religion, and God hates religion. It's only about following the law, and under the law, you cannot be saved. It is the spirit who gives life. Which spirit? The Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, your eyes will open when you are born again. Your nature changes. You know, I remember hearing these same things that I'm saying before I was saved, thinking it doesn't make sense. How in the world? I don't want to do that. I don't feel led to do that. But boy, am I glad that I did. I am so glad that I made up my mind because my eyes truly did open. I began to read the word and understand it differently. And this, you know, this natural hunger just boiled out of me. I want more. I want to learn more. Why? I want to be right. I want God to be pleased with me because I've experienced him in my life and I know when he's happy with me and I know when he's upset with me. I know when he's talking to me. Your nature changes. You were once a sinner and now you live as a child of God. What does this mean? When you live as a child of God, you can communicate with God. How? Through the Holy Spirit, we can hear him. Now, I don't mean audibly, although God can do that. But you can discern his voice. You can hear the truth. When you read the word, the truth comes alive in you. And you live it out. The war continues because we put sin to death always. Remember, even Jesus, when he was in the flesh on earth, he was tempted. But he put it to death. As long as we are in the flesh, we will be tempted. But we will shut it down. We don't let others influence us. We will shut it down immediately. When we are born again, we are constantly living according to our understanding of the word of God. And it's the understanding that's revealed by the Holy Spirit. The more understanding we get, the more we implement it into our lives. How many Sundays is it going to take to fully be worthy to stand in the presence of God, to fully know God? There is no number. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. Amen. Then we can engage in the second war and we can win the second war. 
Again, study Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. That is the second war right there. We don't want to be like the Jews who were not born again. And the demons did not know them. Always remember that. The demons did not know them and they told them. They were good people. And the Jews took the law so seriously, they tithed, they prayed, they attended church. But the Jews do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They do not believe that Jesus is the Savior of this world. The Jews live good lives, but they're not saved. They are not righteous according to God, only themselves. They are only righteous according to their own standard, and that does not cut it. Something you should understand is that the Jews are casting out demons in the name of Jesus. So as mentioned earlier, yes, there's power in his name, but they don't believe that he's the Messiah, so they are not saved. Even though they use the name of Jesus, the demons still audibly said, who are you? Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? And the Jews were specific. This is how I understand that they believe that there's power in the name because they were specific. Perhaps there were other people named Jesus. I know a handful of Jesus's, Jesus, right? They were specific. We cast you out by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Specific. So of course, the Jews are going to be specific because they follow the law according to the law, specifically to the detail. But it was still no good, even though they were specific. They weren't born again, so they could not win, and they didn't. Recently, we talked about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And we learned that a person walking according to the prince of the power of the air. Who? I'm going to pause really quick. Who is that? It's Satan. Don't be afraid to answer that out loud. It's Satan. Why do we need to whisper his name or not say his name? Are you afraid? It's Satan. This person walking according to the prince of the power of the air is walking according to Satan, walking according to the ways of this world because Satan is the prince of this world. That's in the Bible, okay? They live according to the ways of man. What do I mean? Man's traditions. They live according to man's culture, right? They are living based on how their previous generations lived. They're living how their parents lived or their grandparents lived. They're just living a copy and paste life. Are you this way? I hope not. This way of living lacks a foundation of truth. Truth needs no friend. Remember? Even if you are different from your whole family because you don't want to live by their traditions or the way that they lived, you live by the truth and it needs no friend. It stands alone. The truth stands alone. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. How will you know the way if you don't know the truth? You must know Jesus. For example, if a person who grew up in another country moves to America, now they were raised in a different culture with different training, a different way of life, right? In their previous country. Okay, let's say this is a man. And in their previous country, he ate his own food and he wore different clothes with a completely different culture. Then you see that same man 20 years later. He's dressed American. He sounds more American. He's eating American food. Now they're just an ordinary American. His traditions changed and his culture changed. Why did he change? He was raised without a basis of truth. Why do I say this? If you know a way to live is the right way, the truth, you would not change. We must live according to the word of God, standing on integrity, 
not your previous generation. Not because mom and dad are going to be disappointed that you want to live and serve Jesus, that you want to switch your religion or that you want to switch your culture. You want to put other things to death for Jesus to gain the one. It doesn't matter because the truth stands alone and God will be with you. You need to ask yourselves, why are you living the way you're living? And I'll ask myself, of course, if you are not living and walking according to the ways of God, you walk according to Satan. Okay? You're either for God or you're not. And if you're not, you're for Satan. Remember, he takes everybody. There's no qualifications you need to meet. He'll take you. And I didn't just make that up. It's the word of God. But really, when you think about it, isn't it sad? Your family may open their whole house to you. They may host you when you visit. They will prepare you a room with fresh sheets, fresh towels. It's going to smell nice. They're going to cook for you every single meal. They're going to brew you fresh coffee in the morning. They're going to make it just how you like it because they love you so much. Isn't that nice? Isn't that a good thing? I think that's a good thing, but they don't serve Jesus. They do not take knowing the truth seriously, so they are not saved. They are living a life without the standard of God. And any other way to live outside the word of God is wrong. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What are empty words? Teaching nothing, no value, does not correct us in any way. Empty words. Empty words only agree. Many who are in trouble often seek solutions from many. They get opinion after opinion after opinion until someone agrees with them with the way that they wanted anyway. They just look for someone to agree. And that's not good. They're not looking to be corrected. That's not true counsel. That's empty words. I want you to remember something. The word of God does not agree with us. And I want you to say that out loud. The word of God does not agree with me. Make it personal. The word of God does not agree with Madison. We are against the truth. In this body, we are against the truth. We war against the word. We're contrary to it. This is why we need to accept the word with meekness. We must receive the word with the understanding and willingness to change because of it. Now in Ephesians 5, 6, it also said, and we read this already, for because these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What is the wrath of God? It's the anger of God. And it mentions the sons of disobedience. We're experts. Who is the father of the sons of disobedience? And remember, there's two fathers. One is God. And God only has sons and daughters of obedience. So the sons of disobedience, the father is Satan. Okay, if you don't disconnect from Satan, you're going to experience the wrath of God. Continuing in Ephesians 5 verse 7, therefore do not be partakers with them. With who? The world. Now you are in the world with others who do not serve Jesus, who are sons and daughters of Satan, but you're not one of them. And I'm not telling you you're not one of them. You need to figure that out for yourself. But assuming that we are all here wanting to seriously serve the Lord and we claim that he is the ruler and king of our lives, though you are in the world with sons and daughters of Satan, with people that don't take the word of God seriously, you are not one of them. When we serve God, we're not the same as them. Yes, of course, you still mingle with them. How else can we show the love of Christ with them? But you always remember, you are not one of them. Verse 8, 
For you were once darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Okay, so when I read that, I understand from the Lord, I was once a sinner. Can you say that? I was once a sinner. Madison was once a sinner. That means you are no longer a sinner. No more darkness, only a producer of light. What this doesn't mean is that we are dark, then light, then dark for a while, then light for a while, dark for three months, then light for six months. It means we produce light always. The light is always on. The light is always working. This is not a man-made light that goes out sometimes and you need to change the light bulb. Our light, when we serve Jesus, it's powered by God's energy forever. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So in verse 9, what is finding out? When you're finding out something, you're investigating, you're seeking, you must go and find out. Why? So you will learn. And the more you seek, the more you find out, the more you will learn. Right? The more you find out about God, you keep learning and seeking. There is no end to seeking God. We should always be looking for him. What do you do when you learn something new? You live it, right? You live according to it. When you learn something new from the word of God, you live according to it. You live it out in your life. And as you live it out, you are living to the standard of God and your armor grows and grows, which includes the critical breastplate of righteousness. It grows to cover you more, right? More and more to fully cover you. So we are going always, always finding out, always seeking. And again, we will fall more and more in love with Jesus. Paul is saying here, find out what's acceptable. You find out. And Paul found out. He was continuously finding out. You and me, we are accountable to find out what is acceptable to God. And how long must you find out? How long must you seek him? It's continuous and progressive until you die. And that is a wonderful thing. Because your cover under God grows and grows. If you want to continue learning God, you must keep going. Don't stop. Revelation tells us to go back where we have fallen and repent. If we stop, don't stop. It's a sin to stop. Keep going. So many today, they live in a way that is acceptable in their original culture or acceptable to their family. It doesn't matter what our family says, or our friends say, we must be acceptable to God, period, because that truth stands alone. And again, verse 10 said we are to be finding out what is acceptable. We must always be searching to know what is acceptable to the Lord. Don't you want to be pleasing to him? I do. The word says the joy of the Lord is my strength. What does that mean? So I will be strong and you will be strong when he is happy with you. When he is joyful with you, you are strong. As we search and find and allow him to change us and allow his words to change us, the more we grow. I want to close with this. Do you like to give? And were you a giver before you were born again? You know, giving money, let's say giving money. Did you know there's a right way to give? Jesus said, when you give to the needy, right? The needy. That means those in need. The word says, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing so that we can learn not just how to give correctly, but who to give it to. We must find that out. Okay. I'm giving you an example. We can find that out. We must investigate if we should give to someone who says they are needy. What are we finding out? 
are you really needy? We don't just give money away and give money away. We need to confirm it, investigate it, find it out because there is a standard of God. It's a process because we cannot just say, oh, I have faith that they are in need. Why else would they say that? No, no, no. You should find out for yourselves. It's a process. It's a commitment. It could take some time, but it is critical. There is a standard. So we want to give according to whose standard? God's standard. When we live this way, constantly finding out, again, living to the standard of God, we will experience the promises of God. He loves you and me so much, so, so much. And his word is filled with truth. It's only truth. There's no Satan talking here, meaning there's no two truths and a lie. There's no 99% truth and then 1% lie. There's no deception. What God says is true and you can believe it. And he wants to spend eternity with you, but it's up to you and it's up to me. We must live it out in our lives and we can with God. We can. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.